Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends. Uh, but the truth is, he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up and coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Joseph Shabison is a gifted and prolific multi-instrumentalist and composer based in Toronto, Ontario. Known for his work in bands like The War on Drugs, Destroyer, Diana, and with artists like Andre Etier and Nicholas Kurgovich, among others, Shabison is also an esteemed solo artist whose discography often delves into ambient groove, jazz, and pop structures. His latest release is a concept album of sorts, called Welcome to Hell, which is an abstract rescoring of the music featured in the influential 
1996 skateboarding video of the same name. Welcome to Hell was released by Telephone Explosion and Western Vinyl on October 20th, 2023. And so... Joseph returned to this show to discuss things like uh, woodpeckers and hawks, how he got into skateboarding and skate videos, the virtues of failure, how skating relates to free improvisation in jazz and punk, the remarkable look and sound of 90s skate videos, reclaiming public spaces, celebrating skate legends including Ed Templeton, bail sections that are really, really hard to watch, what the mainstreaming of skating via skate parks and the Olympics might mean for the sport, tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control. That is the primary source of revenue for all the work that I put into this show, It is a modest Patreon, but it's a strong Patreon. I thank everyone who has uh, managed to support this show with a flexible monthly donation at our Patreon page. Thank you so much. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with uh, bricks-and-mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. And you know what? They've got a website. It's uh, blackbird.ca. You go there, and you want Welcome to Hell by Joseph Shabison. You just type all that stuff in to their search box and if they've got it they'll get it to you they'll ship it right to your house if you can't make it in to one of their stores so learn more about blackbird at blackbird.ca plus in-kind support from pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee respectively in guelph ontario and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario this is episode 811 of creative control featuring the lovely and talented joseph shabison with your host me vish Khanna. Hey, Joseph, how's it going? Good, Vish. How are you? I'm well, thank you. A woodpecker is attacking my house constantly <laughs> and burrowing holes in the stucco. And it was only doing the garage, which is a detached garage here in Edmonton. Yeah. I just went out to eat a banana on the porch to get some fresh air, and I hear, knock, 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 knock. Fucking woodpecker is now uh, on the house, <laughs> and it's burrowing holes uh, I, I I've read two things about this. A, they make sounds to to attract a mate. Yeah. Uh, or or they're looking for food, obviously, and and then and or they they build they're building a nest. So you ask me how I am, and I think they're protected, but I want to kill woodpeckers because they're costing me money and damaging my house. How are you? What if they? I mean, I got a question. I'm good, but what if they build a home in there, and like once the home is done being built, you kind of have this family of lovely woodpeckers. You can watch them. They're sweet birds. And then you can forget about them. Are you are you opposed to that? Well, the first time oh, the hole uh, was made by, I think, the same woodpecker um, in the mm. garage, it pecked a giant hole in there until I could figure out how to get rid of it. And then uh, it left. 
It just split. I think it was like, oh, this isn't a tree after all. Oh, so it was like food. This isn't a right. tree after right, right, all. Right. There's no bugs in here. It's stucco and styrofoam. It was like, I'm going now. <laughs> so we repaired that hole. It cost me some money to get the guy to come and fix it. And then within a f- we went away in the summertime uh, to Ontario for three weeks. Came back, mm-hmm. new hole. And I Do saw they have any repaired. natural enemies? Like, can you put like an owl or like some that's kind my, of like a... That's what my stucco guy said. An anima- He said animatronic owl an owl that (laughs) (laughs) flutters and makes noise if there's motion so i'm like how much is that that owl sounds like it's three thousand dollars what am i doing so anyway how are you i'm good i want an animatronic owl for you that's something that i feel like would really you know just complete your home out there in edmonton (laughs) the proceeds from this episode will go towards an animatronic owl is how things are going to go. Where in the where in the world are you, and how many woodpeckers are in your vicinity? Toronto, Ontario, West End in the Junction Triangle. As far as I know, zero woodpeckers, but we've got a family of Cooper's hawks here oh. that are decapitating smaller birds in the park. So my children are finding these beheaded birds and just sort of like either uh. bringing them over to us or just gawking and uh yeah you know that's sort of our bird news over here <laughs> I, I love that this has become a bird podcast uh <laughs> I, I don't know what it means why do they behead they behead the birds eat the heads and then leave the, the- no i think they eat the bodies oh. or i don't know if it's like a power move like it's some sort of like a territorial thing but i am assuming they're eating the bodies and just Lopping off the head. Oh, you're f- they're finding them. the heads. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I thought you were just saying, yes. oh my God, that's horrific. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no. It's oh fine. My. They got to learn about it sometime. I don't know. If, if those hawks could somehow come to my neighborhood and deal with these woodpeckers, I'd be pleased. I think we both have the opposite problem that could be resolved somehow. I'll get that hawk over to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you just give me that animatronic uh, owl. Yeah. Let's call it a day. This is kind of an interesting segue because woodpeckers, I think of, I've decided, are punk rockers. They're punks. Why? It's just, well, they're vandalizing my house with no with a nihilistic <laughs> purpose. To- yeah. Tony Hawk, famous skateboarder. Mm-hmm. You mentioned hawks. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm that be- was a very good segue, Vish. I've been told of late that I'm good at the segues. Congratulations on oh I left my vinyl copy in the in the living room by the player I wanted to bring it with me so I had it here like we were on a talk show congratulations on your new LP welcome to hell it's wonderful thank you yeah thank you very much I'm very happy with it you should be it's a really interesting uh, concept that I'm going to ask you to uh, sort of explain to the listeners I've done a little bit of it in yeah. the introduction already uh, but can you talk about a where this record sort of came from and what inspired you to take it on. So I had finished my last record and I think I was getting ready to do something new. And a lot of, I think, well, most of my old albums were concept records or at least sort of like the framework for them was something was, was, was a concept and it, you know, the last couple dealt with some pretty sort of like heavier emotional topics. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. That's not where my head's at. I don't want to keep doing that thing. And I, I mean, this is very cliche, but it's like, you know, that expression, write what you know. Mm-hmm. 
So I was walking and I often think about ideas for albums when I'm walking. And um, I was like, well, what do I know? Like, what am I excited about these days? What am I engaging with the most? And I think more than anything, it was skateboarding, you know, like I just watch so many skateboard videos still and I go skateboarding. I started skateboarding again and I, I just think it's such an exciting subculture. Like, I just think it's the coolest thing in the world. So I was like, well, I love skateboarding. What could I do? Like, what do I know within that sort of broader topic? What could I do to sort of engage with it musically? And then I thought about the video that I know better than any other video in skateboarding, which is Welcome to Hell. Like when I was a kid, I sort of like my peak being enamored with the sport when I was, you know, I guess I would have been about, how old was I? In 1996, I was 14. And it came out and just sort of blew my mind. And we watched it every single day. We'd go out and skateboard and we'd watch it before we skateboarded. We'd come back from skateboarding. We'd watch it again. Like it was just so pivotal. And I think it like, it changed street skateboarding so much. The soundtrack was like, you know, it was really heavy. There was like, it was like punk and there was Danzig and there was Maiden and like, I was like, it would be cool knowing that video the way that I do to sort of recontextualize the whole thing with like 20 years of distance to be like, I know these parts super well and try to just write songs that are tailor made to each skater's part. So I was like, yeah, I'll just do that. It seemed like when I came up with the idea, I was like, that feels right. Hmm. No, it's it's really fascinating. Uh, Can you talk about how and when you actually got into skateboarding why it came into your life because uh, I was a kid once yeah I know it's hard to believe <laughs> I was a, believe it I was a teenager and we had skateboards and we would we would skateboard but we weren't I was never half pipe you know I, I, I could not do that st- I don't know why I just I think I was fearful I'll be honest with you it, it was oh fuck me too it was hard to do that stuff for me and so I mostly used it to get around tried to learn mm-hmm. sort of those stationary tricks ollies like kickflips all that kind of stuff we would do that stuff to the best and it just didn't come easily to me and i think that's why and it was like i say watching people in my, in my peer group um i remember a summer we helped build a half pipe in someone's backyard um mm-hmm. is, am i saying that correct you know the ramp the circle yeah you're nailing it <laughs> but I, I it never appealed to me to do that part of it as much and uh yeah i did other stuff like we used to play tag with bb guns like that's how idiotic we were we did dumb things yes but that for some reason <laughs> yeah. i was always like a little hesitant do you remember what first got you into skateboarding itself not not i can't wait to talk to you about this uh uh, this uh, this video because I watched it with uh, some of my family last night. Welcome to hell, and <laughs> yeah. it was kind of interesting to get their reactions, particularly the bail section. Jesus, oh and my good, I couldn't yeah. handle it. I was actually wincing. We'll talk about that in a moment. Back to my yeah. original question: What got you into skateboarding yourself? I mean, I think this is pretty much tales old as time territory. But like my friend's older brother had them, and he was just like to me, the most impossibly cool person, this guy named Greg Golter. You know, he's probably like a good five or six years older. And he was just like the coolest guy. Like he skateboarded, he BMXed, he had a really hot girlfriend. Like, you know, he was what I wanted to be. And then I got into skateboarding through that. Like I borrowed uh, a board and we kind of like watched him. And then me and my friend started doing it in grade seven 
And then from there, it just kind of fully took over and became an obsession. But like the, the entry point was basically like, who's the coolest person I know? Greg Golter. Okay, I'd like to be like him and here's how I do it. I see. Now, skateboarding yeah. is inarguably uh, athletic. The coolest sport? Okay, yeah. Sport. That's a good... You just used the term sport. But when I was coming yeah. up, it was so anti-authority and somehow not... It wasn't the jocks who skateboarded. Let, let's put it that way. The jocks yeah. did their, their thing, but it, it really did have like a punk rock anti-authority kind of aspect to it. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if that part of beyond Greg, who sounds like a cool guy, I wish he was here, uh, be, yeah. beyond him seeming cool, were you into other sports? Did you view it as like uh, an expression of athleticism per se? Um, that's a good question. I wasn't playing other sports. Like I played soccer and stuff when I was younger, but I think what appealed to me about skateboarding is that I didn't really have to consider anybody else. Like it was very much me versus myself and like... I don't know about you, but I didn't excel at team sports at all. But with skateboarding, like, even though it was ultimately like a solitary endeavor, you had this group of friends who was with who were with you who were all like pushing each other constantly. So if you saw someone land something, you were going to work doubly hard to do that same thing. So like it was very much about like being with your homies, skating, having a good time and like everyone doing it together. But at the end of the day, it was also just about how much work you're willing to put in yourself. Like there's this Werner Herzog thing that Andre actually showed me. Andre Etier, just for those wondering. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Andre Etier. Yeah. And like he sort of is watching a skateboard video and talking about it. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's basically like, to paraphrase, is basically like you just, the majority of skateboarding is failure. Like, you just fail and fail and fail and fail and fail, but you're working and working and working and working and it feels absolutely insane. And then you succeed. And that moment of success, even though it's like so, you know, it's just momentary and fleeting. I don't know. Like there's sort of like this beauty in that, in the constant failure to get to this one moment of success. And I feel like that's sort of what skateboarding was. Like no matter how many tricks you didn't land, when you did land that trick, like the sort of elation that you would feel was pretty incredible. And then you just kept working and working and like you get hurt and it would, yeah, like it kind of just, I feel like I, this not to get too existential about it, but I feel like a lot of the sort of bigger life lessons in my life or some of them anyways, I learned through skateboarding. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really well put. And that's, in my kind of interpretation of what's what skating is all about, that rings true to me. Um, and I think the virtue of failure, the virtue and beauty of failure to get to where you think you want to go, that's true. Mm-hmm. And that's true in many expressions, uh, forms of expression. However, let's let's home in on a couple that I think maybe uh, might resonate with you as a musician: punk, okay, punk, and jazz. Uh, and the yes. relationship between those modes that extol freedom of expression mm-hmm. and the destination maybe not even being the point of the journey, if that makes any sense, and skating. Yeah. I, I wonder, because I'm watching Welcome to Hell, and yeah. I'm, I'm marveling at the athleticism, but I'm also marveling at the 
cinematography, the way things are shot is mesmerizing to me. And I was saying yeah. I was saying it to whoever was in the living room. By the way, I brought my I, I started watching it on the TV. Yeah. And then I yelled at my son who was playing video games. Hey, get down here. Because my son skates. He goes to the skate park sometimes now. Yes. And so I say, come down here. And he's like, what? What? Because he was playing video games with his friends online. And I yeah. said, oh, come down and just sit with me. Just watch this for a little bit. I, this is unbelievable. So he sits down and I press play on the thing and people are doing their magical shit. And then mm-hmm. 40 seconds goes by and my son stands up. He goes, Papa, that's just how skaters do. And he walks away. Like, it was no big deal. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, no, I wasn't just the skating. Look how this is filmed. The marriage of music and, and the editing. I mean, I didn't say this to him, but like, I was just overwhelmed by the whole way that fi- that video it was made. Anyway. This way, there's so many things to talk about in here. Vish. Yes, and I'm sorry. I, I lost myself in just trying to tell you what it was like experientially for me yeah. and my family and my daughter who was just looking, she looked over during the bail section, which again, we will talk about it, I'm sure, in great at uh, great length. Yeah. Okay, I've said a bunch of things there. What did that spark? I mean, rather than me trying to land on a question, what did all of that spark for you? We got to, we got, okay, we got to start with punk. Yes. And then we have to go to what your son said. Yes. Or maybe we have to start with punk, go to jazz, <laughs> and then go to what your son said. Okay, yes, So don't please. let me forget. Yes. That's my train of thought. Okay, thank you. Okay. So punk, I think at least back then, and I still think now, but to a lesser extent, which I'll explain, I think skateboarding was and is an unbelievably sort of like punk sport, if you want to call it a sport at the time. Like, especially sort of in the spirit of DIY, like you had these people who truly at the time basically had no shot of making a living, a living wage. They were devastating their bodies. They were going on tours just like punk rockers used to do in these vans where there was like constant breakdowns and just heavy drinking. And, you know, like the parallels between like their lifestyle and the lifestyle of like a touring punk musician or punk band, it's pretty bang on. Like I bought... So Ed Templeton is the guy who started Toy Machine and he uh, he's a skater. And I bought his recent book called Wires Cross, which is like he's also an amazing photographer and artist. And this is sort of like skate photography coupled with sort of diary entries from when he was touring with these skateboard tours, like kind of around time of Welcome to Hell and earlier and after. But like I was reading it and I was just like, this is what being on the road is like, like, especially when you were young and had no money, like it was truly, it felt, I mean, theirs was a bit crazier, but like, it felt so much the same. And then on top of it, like there's this creativity, right? Where like, and I mean, this sort of ties into the jazz thing, which I'll get more into, but like you're approaching, you're approaching a whole bunch of things with this sort of like creative mindset and with your board and what you can do. And I just feel like, the extent to which they were both like ruining their bodies for this thing that was never going to make them any money and living this lifestyle that was so punishing to me, that is truly a punk existence Yeah, and people fucking hate you for it. Like they fucking hate you. And so, and around the time of welcome to hell, like they were just like, they weren't 
there weren't professional filmers. They were just buying video cameras and buying fisheye lenses and shooting it themselves. And like Jamie Thomas, one of the skaters in it, did most of the filming and the making of this video. And like the whole thing was DIY. It was just like he'd find someone who he likes. He'd say he was flying down. He'd film them. Like There's all these interviews about it in this skate documentary series called Epically Latered. But like they were just hanging on, you know, like no one knew what the fuck they were really doing. Yeah. And they were like filming and editing it themselves. So like in terms of the spirit of DIY to me and like how that ties into a to punk, I think like the two are so married. You, you know, I was thinking about where I've experienced some of the most memorable punk and improvised or jazz music. And mm-hmm. often what was used uh, are what we call alternative spaces, right? Like not yeah. conventional venues. You watch Welcome to Hell. What isn't an alternative space? A church a railing uh a yeah. park like a parking lot thing uh something that wasn't some these, these skaters uh is that derogatory to call them these skaters i didn't mean to sound no that, can you be racist That's... to skaters anyway the skaters <laughs> <laughs> the skaters are are using public space in alternative ways and and that to me was a weird correlation between maybe where you and i came from musically yeah like doesn't matter like Yes, this was a a factory, but we tonight it's a music venue. Yes, this is a, a, a I don't know like an accessible ramp, but to, right now mm-hmm. I'm going to use it to skate on, and I'm going to do slides and all this stuff. Does that resonate with you? The notion that like the the yes. level of imagination involved in dude, yeah, hundred percent. You're speaking my language. Yeah. Like I think about this all the time. Where like if I'm driving on a highway and I see an industrial park off to the side like skateboarding has forever changed the way I view architecture and a cityscape and it's like I'm always looking for rails I'm always looking for ledges I'm always looking for sets of stairs or like manual pads or whatever and like the way they're able to see the world and what they're able to kind of extract from otherwise like absolutely mundane landscapes and how they're able to then sort of like use them in different creative ways is I mean, it's, I don't know. I think it's magical. Like, it's really a reimagining of, yeah, like, the world and the cities and the places that we live into, like, an infinitely more creative space than they were originally designed for. And I think that's amazing. And I would also say, too, like, you're talking about, like, alternative spaces and going to shows when we were younger. Like, do you remember in the 90s when you go to a show and there would always be a guy who had, like, tubs like tupperware tubs full of cds and he was like the sort of punk distro dude like i think skate videos in their own way sort of acted like punk distro dudes like the amount of music i think everyone discovered from skateboarding videos is pretty mind-boggling at least in the 90s maybe less so now no 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 you're no no that's how we found i mean i didn't watch those videos as much but mm-hmm. certainly, um, like Stephen Lamke, who I grew up with, um, mm-hmm. who, we grew up playing punk and hardcore music, and he had an older brother, Ted, who I think yeah. skated and if and had, yeah, like probably first heard Minor Threat and Fugazi and those kinds of bands yes. in those skate videos. Which, by the way, 100%. you know, it's inter- at the end of Welcome to Hell, if people watch it, 
I don't know how legit this is, but there's a rundown of all the music featured, and it says, courtesy of Alternative Tentacles Records, courtesy of Columbia Records. I'm like, there's no way they gave them any courtesy. Oh, no way. 100% no way. <laughs> they're, no. Ci- they're citing all no. the music, which is nice, but they do the official legalese, and I'm like, there's no way they asked no. Pink Floyd if they could play. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. <laughs> anyway, but you're absolutely right. Like, I was, uh, I'm going through a thing since uh, uh, someone I greatly admire, Rick Froberg, passed away uh, from Hot Snakes. And um, I have it here. I have a Tony Hawk. So, I, sorry, what I'm doing is I'm chronicling every musical release of his that I have on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm finding things that I, or I mean, I, I have most of it, but every once in a while there's like, oh, I didn't have that record. I'm going to order it. I'm going to find that one. Yeah. One of the things, Tony Hawk. Uh, skate CD that Hot Snakes are on. They do a government issue cover, I believe. Uh, really? Yeah, it's back. It's behind me. I can't reach it right now. I can like from Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, I think Crazy. so. Crazy. I'm too. Ho- I'm awesome. too hooked up here to walk back there. But I'll t- I'll show I you. Understand. I'll show you later. But um, yeah, it's a fascinating thing that 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 music, or rather, those videos were an absolute gateway. And a communication tool for musicians, like the earliest yes. fake licensing <laughs> sync sort of deal. Where, <laughs> and I think that's that's fascinating too. I mean, the first time I ever heard Destroyer, which is a band that I ended up playing in, was on a four one one video magazine. Like four one one was this really famous video magazine from the nineties. They put out a VHS cassette every month, and it was like magazine format. So there was ads, there was features, yada yada. But like, I first heard Destroyer in that and then like you know but those things were so eclectic it would be like the promise ring into the far side into destroyer into like ac alone into like it was just so all over the place and i mean yeah i found out about so much music through those things it was crazy yeah and i think some artists like beastie boys were like in the sweet spot because for yeah. whatever reason, I think the anything goes mentality of a, a skater and those and for those videos is that you would get all sorts of styles of music uh, mm-hmm. as, as you were watching. And they all seem to work together. Certainly Check Your Head era Beastie Boys seems like oh my God. Yeah. the perfect soundtrack for some of these videos. Um, and I, I also think like going back to what we were talking about in terms of alternative spaces and the power of imagination – one other correlation I see is like a skateboard is a skateboard. There are mm-hmm. uh, innovations in them, materials change. The same way a guitar is a guitar, a drum is a drum. But as you go mm-hmm. to see more adventurous uh, performances by musicians, you'll be like, oh, that guitar player stuck a screwdriver or a drumstick in their uh, headset or whatever. Like uh, the the drummer is putting like a wallet or keys and coins and chains and like, oh, that's just a little modification that creates this whole new universe. And it was mm-hmm. just them trying something. Similarly, would you say there's a similarity with in terms of the power of the imagination and the skateboard? You're driving on a highway yeah. and you're seeing skate skating opportunities, not just, you know, landscapes. Like yeah. there's something there too, right? Well, I think that question kind of ties into sort of like the the jazz analogy that you initially said. And I think yeah. like it's less to do with the skateboard itself. And I think more to do with like, okay, I spent some time thinking about this. So bear with me. Uh, in jazz, 
I mean, in all music, but especially in jazz, you have this bass language, right? That's made up of like the fundamentals of Western music. So like notes and scales. And then you have this history of songs like, you know, the American songbook. You have classical music. And then you have this history of jazz that came before you. But like, essentially what everyone is working with is the same, like a 12-tone scale. And what makes a jazz musician interesting is not the piano or like their saxophone, because everyone for the most part is given the same tools, but it's what you do with that and how you interpret this shared language in order to make it unique in your own so that you can kind of like distinguish yourself as a individual voice and skateboarding to me is the same. Like you have this deck that everyone gets. It might vary slightly, but for the most part it's the same. And then you have this shared language of like tricks, like ollies and kick flips and 360 flips and yada, yada. And then you have this shared landscape and the way that you combine it all together, like what tricks you do on what obstacle or like how you can re-envision a set of stairs or a bank or a wall or whatever yeah. in order to sort of like do something creative and interesting and kind of forge your own path and your own voice. Like to me, jazz musicians and skateboarders are like one and the same. And with that shared landscape, you're improvising all the time. Like you watch the best skateboarders and the way they're able to like string lines together and improvise and kind of like, you know, it's thought out, but it's also they're moving quickly and rea like yeah. kind of reacting to what's happening. It's, it's amazing. And I think that like, yeah. it really, yeah, those similarities are really there where like, you have to be like, there's so many different ways to do it. But at the end of the day, the one, the skaters who are doing the most exciting stuff, it's like a combination of like creativity and sort of like ballsiness. And yeah, it's, it's exciting. Like they're really, they're taking what came before them and synthesizing it into something new with their own style. And yeah, like skateboarding today is bananas. It's, it's the exact opposite of fearing the moment. It's embracing the moment. Totally. Right? A hundred percent. And it's also yeah. like, like in jazz, I think so much of it is like a nod to what came before. So like even in the last 10 years, five, 10 years, like a trick called the no comply, which in the nineties was like poo-pooed. It was like so passe has now come back into style, but people are doing it and they're doing all these different like takes on it and versions of it and com combining it with other tricks that are like, yeah, it's just interesting. It's like you really yeah. see a through line of like from the first skateboarders to the most modern skateboarders and like everyone sort of nodding to that shared history in a very cool way. Yeah. When I was uh, itemizing some things earlier and got muddled, you asked me to remind you to talk yeah. about my my son's comment. Yes. Uh, which again, as I said, he only could handle sitting down for about 40, 45 <laughs> seconds before he stood yeah. up and said, that's just what skateboarders, that's just how skateboarders do, is I think yeah. the exact quote. And then he walked away <laughs> and started gaming again. What did you want to say about that? So when I was, your, how old's your son? 12. 12, okay. So when I was your son's age, it was just a little bit before, that was a little, he's just a little bit bef younger than I was when I started skateboarding. But like, you had to wait months in between major videos and like, 
what you were exposed to was really only what video you could buy in your skate shop or what video your friend had. And like, you go to different houses, people's houses who had different videos and yada, yada. But like, you know, like everything kind of felt special and a video like welcome to hell was extra special because like what you saw in that video kind of changed street skating so monumentally that like, you know, it was, it was a mind melter, but what your son has access to and where skateboarding is now is like, I mean, with Instagram and like, I want, I would say half of my Instagram is skateboarding in terms of like accounts that I follow. Like you see people progressing in real time and like video parts still come out, but like people are posting stuff constantly. So like you're just inundated with the most demented skateboarding. It's like, People who grew up playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater when you'd see like flip in, flip out stuff and you'd think like, that's crazy. Like that can never happen in real life. All of the kids who grew up playing that, you know, but from when they were really little, they're all doing that. Like the level, like how far things have gone is so nuts. So your son is watching all of this. So like watching Welcome to Hell I'm sure he thought it was pretty basic shit. Like, yeah, and- that's a good point. The media landscape has changed. Where so my thing that's that's a really excellent point. I'm watching this thinking, oh my god, this thing that came out in '96 mm-hmm. was likely made, you know, over the previous years when we didn't have smartphones. No one had this technology as accessibly. Yeah, you could get it. You could get the the fisheye lens and all that stuff, and you could see it in music videos and. And, and it was more accessible, but you had to kind of invest in that equipment. It wasn't just, oh, I have a telephone and it happens to have a high end <laughs> yeah. camera on it, <laughs> yeah. right? So you, this was a dedicated. So I, like I said, I called him down to be like, not just the skating, but just this whole presentation. But you're right. It's, it's probably something that I don't know that he's taking it for granted or I'm taking for granted that he would be impressed by it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like, I can't believe this was made you know, 30 odd years ago in this, yeah. at this level of sophistication, even though like it is fairly scrappy at the same time. By it's super standards. scrappy. And like, yeah. also like the, I would say probably three quarters of the tricks in that video nowadays would be throwaway. Like at the time, no one was doing it or like very few people were doing those types of tricks. But like now they just wouldn't even make it into a part because right. there's so many people doing that level of skateboarding so consistently. And it's like, and then you see it every day on Instagram, like a pro skater will just upload trick after trick. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's pushing skateboarding forward in like an exponential way. That's super exciting. But also for your son watching that, it's kind of just like a whatever, you know, yeah. like yeah. I see that shit constantly. Like he's yeah. What he's exposed to and like, what kids are exposed to now and what like they see as possible and how that's going to like transform a new generation of skateboarders to do even crazier shit is exciting. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this welcome to hell video basically embedded in your brain. You've watched it so many times. Yes. For those who haven't seen it, the musical soundtrack includes lard and, uh, we've talked about some of the bands already. Uh, Sonic Youth, Pink Floyd, The Misfits. Yeah. You come up with this notion that I want to do something with this video to recontextualize it. 
I noticed the runtime of your album is longer than the video, so it's not a kind of Wizard of Oz, Dark yes. Side of the Moon situation necessarily. But can you talk and and, your, and the music on your record? I can't say that it sounds anything like anything that's being played as a soundtrack for uh, Welcome to Hell. Talk mm-hmm. about how you approach the notion of paying tribute to the experience of watching and listening to Welcome to Hell, mm-hmm. but but making your own sort of score for it, if you will. I, mean, I feel like I'm saying the wrong thing. Is it no. a score? Is it a score? Like, how do you characterize what you've done in relation well, to that's what? A good question. In relation to, to what the video actually yeah. is and the music on it's it. It's a score. It it's a, a score. score. Yeah. Okay. It's a score, but like it's loose. I. I hmm. I, I'm trying to think of how do I even explain it? Like, I am lucky in that I have a studio in my backyard and I have a big projector. So I would get people to come over and play to the video parts. And then I would have ideas that I had written on my own as well. And I'd write them while watching the video. And I, I kind of wanted to view it as like a big picture thing, like not trying to, because like if you watch the video, nothing's like edited to music. So like there was no inherent tempo to the way the clips were edited. Yeah. So I was like, well, if they didn't edit it, me trying to write music based on these insane edits that have no time signature related to them is going to sound completely fucked. So I may as well go broad strokes. So I wrote these songs that sort of like, they felt like they were true to the skater's style or maybe even acted as like a weird counterpoint to the skater's style. And then I'd pull the screen down and I'd get people to just play along. And the songs would sort of like get fleshed out. And then the song started with skaters in mind, but I didn't want to limit them to the length of the skateboarder's parts because they were all so short. I wanted the songs to kind of like run their course. So once everything was done, I then plopped the songs like in a session to the video and edited them together in a way that made the most sense. If that makes sense. It does make sense. So for those who haven't seen it and I hope I'll link to the YouTube thing I found uh, so that people can watch it for themselves. Um, As you're saying, welcome to hell is organized in such a way that it's sort of like profile segments. Yes. Of individual skaters. And then you have done the sort of sort of a similar thing. Um, yeah. Is it sort of? Is that an appropriate way of saying what you've done yeah. to kind of emulate it? It's not completely. You've yeah. you've titled some of the pieces after some of the skaters and people involved, right? Yes. But not all, but not all of them. Well, if you go on to the I actually just took the way like the way it was labeled on the YouTube of the video. So it's like some songs are correspond to skateboarders some songs correspond to broader sections like they'll have like a friend section or a right. tour section i see that so now, everything yeah. cor- sort of sort of corresponds to different sections of the original video right sorry if i got confused there i was just no no i'm trying to because mar- they're connected these the, your record and this video are connected but they're also not is where i'm coming from and i'm just trying to does that make sense yeah yeah okay yeah i would say like yeah, I would say it's mostly connected. <laughs> so you mentioned that the the profile segments in the video are relatively mm-hmm. short, and that's absolutely true. And yet you've got people coming in to play to them, and mm-hmm. and the pieces that you guys come up with, uh, you and your your colleagues are more expansive than the uh, visual segments. Did you loop those visual segments so you guys could just keep playing to them? 
No, I'd start it and I just let the video run because at the end of the day, like, oh, you'd let the the so even if it, if a yeah. piece is named after uh, one of the skaters, what's being played might have been well past that skater segment in terms of what totally. what would be inspiring someone always, visually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you'd start you'd start with that segment, but I would just keep it going. Okay, because like trying to get it back would be weird. Whereas like this, I just wanted. Like, ultimately, I wanted people to draw inspiration from the skateboarding as a whole. And I think just playing the composition that was, like, written with that skater in mind would be enough to sort of, like, evoke the level of inspiration that I needed. And then ultimately, I just wanted them to see, like, rad skateboarding and that for them to be kind of, like, reacting to it and make them do things that they wouldn't necessarily do otherwise. So similar to Welcome to Hell, you talked about how some of the songs that score certain segments don't seem to have any connection rhythmically to the editing or even yeah. the, the skating itself. Very true of your record as well. Yeah. So what does that mean? The timing of <laughs> the music that now is just like that we've come to know from the actual film and now your contribution, mm-hmm. there's not really a solid interconnection no. Um, and yet your hope, I think, in screening the video was for the, a vibe to come through to the musicians. Yeah. So n- with the end results, not exactly matching the frenetic pace of the video editing, mm-hmm. what do you make of that? Like, what do you make of the fact that as you got together with people to play, their instinct wasn't to just play hardcore beats or, or something. Their instinct might be to play something really tranquil and slow what does that mm-hmm. what does that connote to you does that mean something um i don't know if it means anything i think like i was definitely driving the ship and steering the ship in terms of like the vibe of the song like we'd always start with an idea that i had not always but a lot of the time but to me it was more about i didn't want things to sync up directly i wanted it to feel more broad strokes like i wanted the players and myself to sort of like hold the way somebody's skating makes them feel in their mind's eye and then approach what they play with that in mind. So rather than trying to like hit every cut or every beat of action, it was more about watching the part, understanding it, and then playing first to video, sometimes to not, but it's like, As long as I think I was able to sort of envision the skater's intention and the way that they skated in my mind and I was making decisions with that in mind, it all felt connected to me. Yeah. No, I'm not doubting the the connection. I'm just saying it's interesting that experientially the sonic aspect and the visual aspect may never link up. Maybe Maybe it's a feeling. Totally. All of the music is a feeling. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Let's talk about Welcome to Hell, the piece you wrote for the bail section. <laughs> yeah. So for those who have I'm watching this video on my couch and everything I'm just mesmerized by all the video editing and the as I say, the coordination, the fearlessness. And then there's a bail section. And a bail section just you explain to the folks what is a bail section in a do I, first of all does every video have a bail segment is welcome to hell unique in this regard and secondly or maybe first tell the folks what a bail section kind of is so okay 
first the bail section is like all of the falls that got recorded while filming the larger video. So like it's people, you know, missing the board and hitting their head and their legs and doing the splits and like, you know, their board goes one way and their legs go the other. It's just like all of the falls. That's the bail section. And back in the nineties, every video had a bail section. They did. And you okay. Wait for it. Yes. Yeah. It was like commonplace. But to this day, I think that Welcome to Hell's Bail section is an unrivaled worst, like worst as in the most gnarly, vicious bail section that has ever graced a skateboard video. I, I had to shut my eyes. I very I, mean, I, I, I looked away a bunch during this one. It this is uh by the way, when was America's first uh, home videos invented? Oh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a very important question. It's probably around the same time, isn't it? Or just before? Yeah. yeah. Just before. Yeah. I wonder if skating videos influenced uh, and inspired America's funniest home <laughs> videos. Because the bail section in Welcome to Hell is particularly horrific. And people look like they've seriously injured themselves. Every once in a while, Every once in a while, you get a howl of pain over the... Do you remember what... I'm sorry. I should have made note of this. What song... Soundtracks the bail section. Do you remember? No, it was really, really, really heavy. Though I remember, yeah. it was the heaviest song on the. Like, it, I could look. I'm sorry. Like, I want to. Yeah, put you on the spot. No, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. It's fine. Let's go to your reaction piece <laughs> to that um, yeah. part of the video. How would you <laughs> characterize it compared to some of the other pieces on your album, Welcome to Hell? Very placid. Like, it's by far the most mellow, beautiful song on the album, I would say. And it's the only song on the album. Yeah, it has vocals. Like, I I don't have vocals. Yeah, yeah. So, in that bail section, there's two things that happened that I don't think had been documented in a bail section up until that point. One is, both happened to Ed Templeton. One is that there's footage of Ed Templeton's torn nutsack that he tore on a rail. And the other one is that he broke his neck on that, in that bail section. He falls off a ledge weird and his, he goes over his feet go over his head and then he lands on his head and he had to be taken off in a stretcher, but he broke a number of vertebrae. And I think like, I mean, I just, when I was younger, I was like howling with laughter and like you were saying like, Oh, but like, I would enjoy it. I watch that shit now. Like when I was scoring it, I can't. Like I could barely look at it. It was so like that. My reaction was so visceral. Did Ed keep skating after that? Yeah, for a long time. What does that mean? What does it mean that after these horrific injuries, they keep going? I get that. That's part of the deal when you take up uh, uh, skating. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. Like it's understood, and if you don't, that's a good day. Um, yeah. But what does it mean that they keep going after such horrific, you know, long term injuries? I assume they're lifers, man. It's yeah. like they they love it. They love it more than anything. And I yeah. think that like ultimately Ed stopped because he broke his femur at a skate park, and he just couldn't anymore but like a lot of those skaters like brian anderson mike maldonado donnie barley Alyssa steamer jamie thomas like they're all skating like to this day they are like revered sort of like elder statesman professionals some of them own some of the biggest companies in skateboarding but it's like they're just 
it's their life, you know, like it's, they started at a time when it was making them zero money. And now they're at a point when they can actually make a living, but like, you know, they're, they're doing it like, and they'll never not do it. It's fucking inspiring. I love it. Well, when I heard your record and got to welcome to hell, the title track, if you will. Yeah. I I realized it was an anomaly when I watched the video and then realized that that piece um, was kind of inspired by the bail section. Mm -hmm. I thought you were kind of a sick fuck. I was like, this is like <laughs> Harmony, Kareen, David Lynch level of like placid, airy singing. And it's almost creepy now that I I have uh, grafted the, the imagery with the song now in my head and Good. it creeps me up. I love it. Yeah. That's what you wanted. You Because welcome, yeah. to hell, welcome to Hell is a sentiment. Can you characterize why the video is called Welcome to Hell and what it means for you? What that means to you? That, that this thing that you love and, and that they, these people love, like the love skating, was titled Welcome to Hell. What does that mean? I mean, I think initially it was sort of like both a take on like the American, like American commercialism and how fucked the U.S. was. Like, you know, there's the Lard song that opens the video and then like you see the American flag waving and like people eating Big Macs. And it's sort of this like kind of nod about like the hellishness of like consumeristic America. But then I think it's also welcome to hell because it's, yeah, like kind of like what we were talking about where like these people are never not going to do it and it's their life and they love it. And everyone fucking hates them because all that footage in the original video of like people being screamed at, being pushed just for skateboarding at different places that like people don't want them to be. And it's like a welcome to hell where it's like, this is the life you chose and you can't, yeah. Stop doing it because you love it, but it's going to fucking break you. And like, there was so much like drug use and alcoholism and like, you're making no money, but you can't stop because you fucking love it. It's welcome to hell. You know, like it's sort of like your reality setting in of like, this is pure joy, but what you have to, like, the muck you have to wade through to get to these like fleeting moments of elation are, it's hellish. I, I wonder what your take is on the fact that. Like, again, in Welcome to Hell, it is definitely space reclamation. Mm -hmm. It's public space that is, you know, concrete, steel, all this stuff being used for purposes that makes priests and cops really angry in Welcome Mm -hmm. to Hell. What about these, like, uh, I feel like Guelph, when I left Guelph, uh, a few years before I left, sorry, I left Guelph, but a few years prior, a sanctioned official skate park was instituted mm-hmm. here in Edmonton. I mentioned my son goes to a, a, a skate park that was built by the city, presumably, or somebody. Yeah. What do you make of the fact that, and I'm sure this is not uncommon across certainly North America and wherever skating is the most pervasive. What do you make of the fact that some communities and cities, their solution to all these, uh, <laughs> you know, punk skaters who are reclaiming space, we'll just give them a dedicated area. Um, what do you make of that fact that that happened? And what do you think the mentality of a skater would be that, you know, oh, they want me to go there? Am I? Mm-hmm. They, I guess I'm just going there now. Like, fuck off! I'm going to go wherever I want. <laughs> Sorry, am I putting words in your mouth? What do you make of no. that? The, the- I think it's interesting because I think on the one hand, what it's done is sort of like bred a whole generation of skateboarders who grew up with really amazing 
facilities to sort of practice on where they weren't kicked out. Like we go to these little sets or these gaps and we knew that we might have 15 minutes before we get kicked out, sometimes five, sometimes an hour. But it was like our our time was always limited and they were constantly like, you know, stopping us from skateboarding by putting like skate stops and stuff like that. But now you have this generation of kids who really have these dedicated spaces. So what it's done in terms of pushing skateboarding forward and like how good people are, it's fucking crazy. Like skateboarders are crazy these days. And I think it's very much in part because they grew up with these spaces that like welcome them. I also think the irony of it is that nobody wants to see in a skateboard video. Nobody wants to see to see someone skate a park. It never happens. It's like I mean, it's, it's like an, an Olympic un- sport. It's an Olympic sport now, too, right? It's crazy. Yeah, like there's. Yeah. It's so high level. But if you want to put out a part that has cred that people will watch, you can't have anything in a park. Period. Yeah. Like right. it has to be in the streets. So no matter how much skate parks have changed skateboarding, and no matter how much communities are like, we want you off the streets, you have to go to the park. It will never happen. Skateboarding fundamentally, yeah. I think, is a activity that belongs in the streets. And that's why no one wants to see someone grind a perfect ledge or skate a perfect set. They want to see how people go out into the world and like navigate all the fucked up idiosyncrasies of architecture, of cops, of asshole people. Like there was that video of like that guy skating these crazy, it was kind of like these banked like these banks beside staircases in Europe. And like one of the guys who lived in this apartment facility where these ledges were, or these banks were dropped a clay pot on his head from two stories up as he was skating. And this guy, like he fell and he was ultimately okay. But it's like that clip made the rounds. And part of skateboarding is that, you know, is all the fucked up shit that you have to sort of like navigate in order to get this one trick. And, yeah, no matter how many skate parks there are, no one wants to see people skate in parks. It's like a training facility almost. Well, I really appreciate that insight, and I didn't know where we were going to go with that question, but it, it, that all <laughs> checks out to me. That it yeah. will always be an unconventional thing. Like that, that's what it will be celebrated about. It that's fascinating. Um, yeah. Bef- before we wrap up, I want to ask about the album artwork and packaging. Yes. It's really beautiful. Uh, having watched the video, I understand uh, where the cover image. kind of came from so to speak Mm -hmm. can you talk about what you were after in work and who you worked with to bring uh, artwork to pass for for this record Uh, so for all of my records Andre Etier who is an incredible musician and an incredible artist he's done all my album art and in the video there's a sort of like crudely animated devil that does this really like kind of low pitched demonic laugh And it's also corresponds to this character, this devil character that Ed Templeton drew that was pretty like enmeshed and fundamental to sort of all of the mid nineties toy machine, like their aesthetic, their art, the general vibe. So I asked Andre to do his riff on the toy machine devil. And like, he sent me the album art. It was his first try. It was just like, it was instantly perfect. Yeah. And then he ended up sending me the second one, which was this sort of like older devil that I was like, oh, that's perfect too. But it's almost like a nod in my mind. It's a nod to the fact that everyone who grew up watching this video is now over 40. So like, 
it's the original young kind of youthful devil and then the old the old dog devil uh on the back and then the sleeve so one thing i will say is that i realized really early on that if i was going to release this video i would need to get ed's permission to do it because I couldn't just put it on YouTube because Toy Machines has the right Toy Machine has the right to the video and it would get taken down instantly. It would get flagged and taken down. So I messaged Ed Templeton on Instagram, who like, you know, dude is properly one of my all time heroes. Incredible artist, incredible skateboarder, incredible incredible photographer, like all around punk rock legend. And he I said, you know, I'm doing this thing. Can I use the footage? And he wrote back the next day and like from a cold Insta message and was like, yeah, sounds cool. Like feel free. And, um, not only did he let me use it, but he contributed album art. So the inner sleeve is one of his drawings. Amazing. And like, yeah, for somebody who grew up with Ed Templeton's skateboard art being like, you know, I had multiple shirts with it on it. He was just so iconic to have him contribute that and also be generous enough to let me use the video footage. Like, yeah, it was pretty, pretty special. Do you, that's amazing, first of all. Uh, secondly, do you know, have you sent him the record? Has he heard it? He's heard it? Yeah, he's been sharing it on Instagram, which is also crazy. Oh, nice. Like all of the singles he's been sharing as well. And like, yeah. You know, is it something that he would listen to on his own? I don't think so. Like he strikes me as somebody who's like a pretty yeah. dyed-in-the-wool punker. But like he really appreciated it and wrote back being like, I love my song. It's so awesome. It's a great nod to the Sonic Youth song. Like, he he gets it and he was so super supportive which is like if if nothing else happened with this album other than him interacting with it in that way i would feel happy so like you know it's it was very much a childhood dream realized well, that's fascinating and 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 as someone who knows you and considers you a friend i'm i'm happy for you that's great Thanks, Vish. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you uh, you mentioned some of the concepts that you've been working on in previous uh, releases. I think almost all of them are some sort of personal reflection or totally pondering personal relationships, family, those sorts of things. This is the time of life you're at too. You're getting to that point where you're going to start to look back a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a sense yet of what you're working on next? No, I mean, I'm I'm working on a whole whack of collaborations. I'm making a record with my pal Tom Gill, who's on this record, and Marker Starling. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's all of Chris's songs. Like, Chris is Marker Starling, for those yeah, of yeah. people who don't know. But it's been, Chris's songs. Chris has been on the show, too, just for people if they want to look back on that. He's yeah. A, yeah. truly, like, a musical legend, Canadian songwriting legend. And, you know, but his, he has a very distinct sound which is Wurlitzer and Drum Machine and with this album I was like yeah I'd love to work with you and we're doing it as a collab but I was like only if we do a total departure from what you have been doing in the past and we totally reframe it so it's been so great like the songs are incredible and so far we're all very excited so I've been doing that I'm doing another album with Nick Kurgovich and then a whole bunch of other collaborations with different people. So for my own stuff, I truly have no idea. Okay. All right. But no, I appreciate that. I know you're, you you keep yourself busy. Um, any other future plans? Or um, as we're speaking, I think you're going on, I think by the time this airs, or is posted, I should say, uh, you're, you will be back already. But you're going on a tour, is that correct? 
Yep, going on a tour of the States, playing in a couple of saunas, which is really exciting. <laughs> Somehow, those gigs kind of fell into my lap where I'm playing at these places that are like half venue, half sauna, which is great because clubs are frustrating and impersonal. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I would say, if, if you will allow me, is uh, obviously a huge shout out to every musician on this record who helped make it. Couldn't have done it without them. But also a neat fact about the album or at least the video part of the album, is that the original multi-track didn't exist. So you can't have a skateboard video without skateboard noises, but in order to take out the original music, I had to get rid of all the skateboard noises because all of... I only had the master, essentially. Uh, okay. So my friends Drew and Quinn sound designed every single skateboard noise in the video that get, is going to be a, a companion to the actual record. So every like push, pop, roll, grind, slide was painstakingly sound designed wow. for the entire thing, which I want to say thank you for because I they just did an amazing job. And yeah, it, it really makes it for me. No, this is lovely. It's a lovely, uh, and it's a large group of people uh, that participated on this record. So that's great to hear too. Okay, well, if people want to learn more about you and Welcome to Hell, maybe uh, obtaining it physically as I have a copy, uh, they should be more like me. I think we can all agree that people should be more like me generally. Always, yes. (laughs) Uh, Where would you like to direct them on the internet? Bandcamp, I think, is probably the best place to do it. I mean, it's on all the streamers, but if you want to buy the physical vinyl... I would say go to your local record shop or go to Bandcamp and it'll be yeah. delivered to your house. And it's out on uh, Telephone Explosion, right? Telephone Explosion and Western Vinyl. Western Vinyl. Okay, perfect. Now, if we can go out on a piece from Welcome yes. to Hell, I wonder Ooh. if you can choose one for us and uh, tell us why it came to mind. Okay. That's ex- <laughs> Let's go out on Welcome to Hell. I think it's... Well, no. No, no, no. I take it back. Um... There's a song called Donnie Barley slash Zero Skateboards. Yeah. Or maybe it's Zero slash Donnie Barley. Yeah. And I think that's a good one because it feels so spacious and slow and weird and acts as such a juxtaposition to like how aggressive the skateboarding is for both of those sections. And I think that's a good entry point is just to sort of imagine the most aggressive skateboarding you could possibly imagine and then listen to that music, and that'll give you an interesting sense of what the album's all about. I love the record. I, it gets me, uh, there's certain things, sometimes it reminds me of like Dilla or something. Like I just, I get a head nod, like I, it's uh, involuntary. I just, I, th- I think there's some really nice grooves and nice Thanks, playing Vish. on this record. Yeah, I really I really like the, the feel of it. So I, I'm happy to go out on that. So this is uh, Zero slash Donnie Barley yep. and Welcome to Hell by Joseph Shabison. Joseph, uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I really and did. Thank you, Vish. Your questions yeah, no, were bang on. <laughs> no problem. And uh, best of luck, and I, I hope we talk soon. Absolutely. Bye.
Thank you.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Always, always, always a pleasure to have uh, Joseph Shabison on this show. I don't know why I started to slow down there, but it happened, and I'm going to go with that. Thank you so much, Joseph, for being back on the show. For everyone else, this is the 811th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever it is you listen to podcasts, except for that one big place, which I took my show off of. You know the story, maybe. Maybe you don't. But if you're looking for it on that one place, you're like, what the... There's other places. I've linked to a bunch of them on my website and other places, so uh, find it there if you can. Uh, also, speaking of my website, if you can't find an episode of this show that you're looking for, like I was trying to say there or something, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. That's where all the info about me and my show is. That's what I meant to say there. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook if you so desire. You can also follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative. Or you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. I'm also on uh, Blue Sky and uh, Threads. And I always stumble at this. I, there's all, I'm on, on most of the things. Just look up Vishkana on them. And if it seems to be me, it's probably me. I shouldn't say that because I did get impersonated recently. Please don't impersonate me on social media. Thank you. Also, please go to patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast and all the work I put into it. $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content, including receiving uh, episodes a bit earlier than everybody else. And if you're interested in receiving, receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, uh, message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. It means a lot that you support the show financially if you're able to. Uh, so thanks. Thanks for doing that if you can at our Patreon. I also want to thank uh, the wonderful Alberta record store Blackbird Music. They have locations, physical locations, in Calgary and Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, but you can also order things directly from their website at blackbird.ca, so please check that out. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. also want to thank my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music he uh, has written and recorded and then gives to me that I can use on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode with Joseph Shabison. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Joseph, you can tell he's a really lovely guy and a thoughtful guy, and I hope you'll check out his music. If you are new to me and a huge fan of jo Joseph's, because I presumably you're related to him, 
Uh, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you'll tell your friends about uh, Creative Control. Subscribe to the show, follow the show, and just spread the word if you can. All right. I will talk to you very soon. Be well. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.